0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good morning, City Walk. How's everyone doing this morning? Good deal, good deal. A couple of waves. That's nice. I appreciate that. Uh, Guys, well, like uh, Chris said, if it's your first time here, I'm glad that you guys are here, whether you're online or in person. Man, we're just thrilled that you chose City Walk uh, for your place to be this morning, Um, And so we're glad that you guys tuned in. I will spend a second talking about yesterday, but I'll try to keep it brief because yesterday was an exciting day. Uh, We had our second annual Turkey Bowl. Uh, It was getting a little chippy out there. Thought some punches might have got thrown, but they held it together. But we had a lot of exciting moments uh, yesterday in that Turkey Bowl. Uh, Biggest highlight, obviously, man, was we had time to preach the gospel to over 120 teenagers. Um, Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, the, the field was packed, field was flooded, we had three fields going, uh, a lot of fun, but we spent a couple minutes preaching the gospel to kids, and we had 43 kids make a decision for Jesus playing football yesterday. So yeah, pretty exciting, pretty cool stuff, um, but that wasn't the only thing that happened yesterday, man. I really want to boost our city students' team. Uh, even after the flag football event, There was another event that some of our high schoolers went with Victoria to serve in Marysville. There was a gala at the Marysville Youth Civic Center, and Victoria held it down with a team of teenagers serving dinner uh, for some of the officials um, in Marysville. So just a lot going on yesterday for our city students and for our staff, but I'm just extremely grateful for the team we have here uh, to rock with our high schoolers because your boy can't do it by himself, and I don't want to. (laughs) But it's really nice to rely on other people to get some stuff done for the community and get these high schoolers plugged into certain things. So thank you for that, uh, high school team. Appreciate you guys. Um, Now, if you don't know my backstory, um, some of you guys have got to know me over the years. I've been living here for five years. This is my sixth school year uh, at Yuba City. But I grew up in Pismo Beach. Uh, You've probably been there maybe once or twice, a little beach town about five and a half hours down the coastline. I went to Royal Grande High School there, graduated 2007, and when I graduated, I was like, well, obviously before graduation, but about February of my senior year, I was like, you know, I want to leave the state. Like, I've been up and down the whole state of California my entire life. I'm going to do something different. So I left, and I went to school all the way out in Virginia, a historical black college called Hampton University, Uh, studied out there for four years, sociology and psychology, and graduated in 2011, and that year 2011 fall is where i met my wife so we started dating 2011 shout out to corinne that's my ace right there all right (laughs) gotta give her props because uh without her then i'm a mess i'm a wreck she holds me down keeps me in check um but 2011 met my wife and i was working at a hotel that i did not like the job was boring i said your boy needs to go back to school asap because i'm not doing this the rest of my life And so I had been doing coaching, and I said, you know what? I love coaching. I'm going to teach, not necessarily because I love teaching, but because I love coaching. So I went back to school to get my teaching credential. And so from 2012-ish to 2014, uh, I got my master's degree in special education out at Regent University and did my first couple years of teaching out there. And my wife and I, uh, we got, let's see, we started dating in 2011. Uh, 2012, she dumped me. A little bit later in 2012, we got back together, and in 2014, we got married, and in 2015, I took her back here to California. And so when we moved back to California, we were living in Pismo Beach, uh, helping my mom as she was going through chemotherapy and stuff like that, and um, when my mom was done with chemo and radiation, we looked at each other and said, okay, what's next? Pismo is a lot of bread. Okay, if we stay in here, we're going to be living in someone's garage. What are we going to do? And so we started putting in applications, started asking people to pray for us, get connected places, and lo and behold, here we are in Yuba City. So that's how we got here in 2015. So it's been a ride. It's been exciting, man. A lot of good stuff has happened. And a lot of people don't know this, but last summer, we were actually 10 days away from moving again. And we just kind of felt that we were in a time where, hey, maybe our our season's up here in Yuba City. Maybe... Maybe it's time to transition somewhere else. And when I say that we're 10 days away from moving, I mean, like, we had a realtor come look at our house. Uh, we were making, like, certain things, like, presentable for when people come to look at it. And then 10 days before we were supposed to our, put our house on market and put that for sale sign, I was just like, I, I don't have any peace about this, babe. And she's like, yeah, you know, like, maybe, maybe it's not our time. And so during this, like, season of, like, praying whether or not we're going to move, We had a a couple lunches and dinners with Lori and Chris and got to know them and hear about their heart of planting CityWalk Church and how they moved from Florida and the things they wanted to do in this community. And, you know, we looked at each other and we said, you know what, I think that um, we're called to stay and partner with CityWalk Church. And so that's that's what we did. We said we're going to be partners with CityWalk and we're going to you know, do ministry and team up with them and see where, this, see where this goes, see how many more years we're going to be here, maybe forever, maybe for five, maybe for three, who knows. But now we know we're here, um, and we did not leave, obviously. Um, so we have three kids, and you've probably seen them running around already, uh, maybe, maybe not. One week I was chasing Micah literally down the aisle. Uh, but we have a four-year-old, well, it should be four in January, Karis. We have a two-year-old, Micah, and then we have a six-month-old uh, named Miles. So, yes, we are busy, and yes, we love sending them away for babysitters. So, you can sign up at the Next Steps table for babysitting for the Lynches. Right? Um, but this time of year is exciting for my kids because my daughter is like aware of Christmas, right? So, it's like every other day she has a new Christmas present she wants. Um, but for me, I'm like, okay, Carrie, so you're gonna get uh, maybe one or two of those things, and she's just like, I want this, I want this, I want this. I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, But this is an exciting time, probably for many of us. We got Thanksgiving coming up right after that. We have Christmas. Teenagers about to be on vacation. They're like, yup, we excited about that too. Um, And for me, Thanksgiving is probably the most anticipated holiday of the year. Uh, Flat out, I love Thanksgiving food. And there's no no sugarcoating that. Like collard greens, macaroni and cheese, sweet potato pie, yams. I'm eating it for a week straight. Like, period. (laughs) We're going to cook a lot, and then tomorrow or the next day after Thanksgiving, I'm going to have leftovers, and then I'm going to have leftovers again. And then if I eat all my food, I'm calling people, do you still have leftovers? I still want to eat Thanksgiving food. It's really, really one of my exciting uh, moments or exciting times of the year. But there is a little like additional thing that I love about this time of year. right? As we get to like the end of fall, beginning of winter, The kind of cold time, and you're going to look at me crazy when I say this, but this is no cap. One of the most exciting things about this time of year for me is it, like, marks the end of yard work season. Like, I I knew somebody would understand. I literally do not like yard work, and so when this time of year comes around, I'm like, it's a wrap. Your boy is not cutting the grass. (laughs) Hooray for that. And I literally, like, this is, this is, like, my flow in the winter. I sit there, and I watch all the leaves fall. I'm like, oh, that's cool. They're changing colors. They've fallen. They take over my entire backyard, my front yard. And then I mow my lawn, maybe once, maybe twice, just to get the leaves out the way. And then I'm done. I'm like, OK, that, that's my yard work for the winter. Like, I don't do the whole like, edging. I don't even have that tool to like, edge up the corners of my, my driveway and the grass. Like, I'm not doing no like, bush trimming and stuff like that. All I do is cut grass on occasion. And the teenagers are probably like, yeah, he's right, because he always hits me up telling my like, hey, can you come do some yard work? Because <laughs> I literally do. I have what's called coach's yard, where I'm in town, like, coaching and doing so much stuff that I don't have time for my own house sometimes. So my yard is just, like, growing this way. So when track season ends in spring, I'm like, all right, Luke, who are we getting to come to the house? I need somebody to do some yard work. Mason, where are we at? I need somebody to cut some grass, move some stuff around, because it's not one of my joys. Um, And just to put myself out there a little bit more, uh, let me show you guys a picture so you know kind of what I'm talking about, all right? So I'm going to show you what the house looked like before I bought it, okay? And I don't know who this guy was who owned the house before me. It wasn't... There we go. So this is the house before I bought it. This is what got us to be like, oh man, that's a nice house. Maybe we should buy it. Like, if you look at this joint, like, this is what I'm talking about. Do you see how there's, like, not a single blade of grass on this driveway? It is like perfectly trimmed right here like even on this side this bush right here has not looked like that since i moved there there's a there's a rose bush back there that's like you know nice and looking good does not look like that if you go to my house right now but it looks really like manicured and taken well care of this is present day this is coach's yard this we're talking about this right here like First of all, this thing is, really needs to get trimmed. This is, like low-key causes a little bit of arguments in the house because when it's windy, that's our bedroom. And that sucker just... My wife is like, you have to cut that down. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it one day. And you can see like, I'm waiting for the leaves to fall. There's a couple of them, but you get the idea. Like, that's, just, that's just not something that um, is really like a joy for me. So... The little bit that I can do, I'm going to do, but I'm not like one of those dudes that's like, all right, man, I'm going to make my front yard look like spectacular and do all this. Um, so give you an idea of what I'm talking about. And some of you can, can, can relate because I see the smiles on your face. You're like, absolutely, your yard actually looks better than mine. So you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but what I've come to find out, crazy thing about me and probably some of you, is as much as I despise doing that yard work, I low key get jealous of my neighbor's yards who look like spectacular. I was like, look at this dude over here, man. Yard all put together, man. Hedges looking all right and straight. Like, dang, man, like, my yard look kind of crazy. <laughs> but the bottom line is, like, if I'm real with myself, like, the yard work takes, like, mass amounts of time that I really don't want to give. So it's like that kind of like catch 22. It's like, man, like, his yard is looking nice and right. Mine's looking like Boo Boo the Fool. But at the end of the day, I just don't want to give the time that it requires for it to look like my neighbors. And if I'm real honest with myself, it boils down to this one word. Y'all ready? Lazy. Like, if I'm going to keep it 100 with you, I can conjure up all kinds of reasons why I'm not going to cut the grass. Like, oh, I got to do this, bro. I got to do that. and yeah, I just don't have time to cut the grass today, bro. I just don't. But really what it comes down to is, if I don't feel like cutting that grass, your boy's not cutting the grass. I'm just not going to do it, right? Laziness is just like a battle, and I'm just like, you know what? I, just, I guess I'm just going to push it off to the side. And for some of us, you're thinking like, dude, I have a new friend right now. I have a new friend. I understand exactly what you're going through. And some of you are like, boy, if you don't get out there and cut that grass, man, i tell you, make your yard look nice. But here's the bottom line. I bet you all of us in some area of our life, battle with laziness somewhere, right? For you, it might be work. Somebody's like, oh, snap, (laughs) he coming my way, he coming my way, right? Your alarm goes off in the morning, you're like, bruh, it ain't the day. (laughs) Snooze, right? Get your phone, (laughs) snooze. You're just not feeling it, right? You're like, dude, yeah, I'm grateful to have a job, but you got this, like, battle, like, I do not feel like going to work. Or maybe you do wake up, you go to work, but you're still at work, and you're like, I ain't doing nothing today at work. Yeah, I'm here, but I'm not really motivated to do anything. And I'm just going to kind of chill and do this minimal as I can at work. Because you really know, like, it's a little lazy. I just don't feel like doing anything. And especially this time of year, it's cold. You're like, dude, my bed was so warm. Why am I out here right now, right? And for somebody else, it might be school. Yeah, it got real quiet, real, real quiet. Some of it might be school. You know, we don't take our schoolwork that serious. We got long-term projects, and we're like, oh, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that later. Yeah, I'm going to get to that later. And I'm really good at telling on myself, so I'm going to go ahead and just do it again. I remember a time when I was in college, and I had three 10-page papers due on a Monday, right? I had to have, like, almost all semester to do it. I did not start until uh, Friday, three and they weren't just 10-page papers they were research papers that means you can't even write them until you do the research and so I, i'm on it's friday and i'm like dude i can't believe i did this to myself like i'm stressing out i'm like man here we go i got to write three 10-page papers i sat at my computer guys no joke 17 hours straight 17 the only break that i took was to go to food line which is like a grocery store out in virginia to get some ice cream Literally went and got some ice cream, came back, was like, man, eat this ice cream real quick, get back at it. But 17 hours, I'm sitting there writing a research paper, because I was just too lazy to do the work ahead of time. And then one that probably hits home for all of us, time with God, right? We come up with excuses like, oh, wait, uh, let me handle this first. Uh, once, once I get part of, through this part of my day, then I'll spend time with, with God then, and then. Uh, wait, but I have this appointment, so then I'll spend time with God, for this. And then you get to bed at night, and you're like, okay, I'm about to spend time with God. Right? And, and now we slump, and we sleep, right? And again, that same realization that I had with me and yard work is at the end of the day, it's because we're actually just lazy about spending time with God, right? Because we make time for what we love. If we loved doing something, oh, please believe it's first thing on your schedule. You're writing that out. Okay, make sure I do this. But for other stuff that, you know, we can kind of get lazy and push to the side, and that's usually what happens. But for each of us, I know we have at least one area where we can say, like, man, I struggle with laziness in this area. And it might be one on the board, but it might be one, something else that's not up there. But what's really, really dope is that God and all of his like infinite wisdom. And, like, the fact that he knows everything about us, he knew that laziness would be a battle that each of us would go through, right? He's, it's not, like, foreign to him. He's like, man, these people, man, they, I need to draw some knowledge for them, right? I need to give them some wisdom. So Solomon has ample wisdom to share with us about this tension that we have between, like, quality work ethic and laziness, um, if you've never heard who Solomon is, uh, let me just give you a little backstory of Solomon. So Solomon is the third king of Israel, right? So you can go back to history, go back to the archives. And Solomon was a real person. He was a king. And he was a son of King David, who many of us know about. David, who killed the giant Goliath. Uh, many stories about David. Well, Solomon was his king, or Solomon was his son. And Solomon had a unique like, experience with God. Uh, he had a dream, and God visited him in the dream. And in that dream, God comes to Solomon and says, Solomon, what is it that I can do for you? Like, I want to I really do something for you. What can I do for you? And so, like, in Solomon's dream, he's like, like, Lord, your boy needs some wisdom. Like, dude, my dad was a crazy king. Like, everybody looked up to him. He was an amazing king. Like, nobody's going to forget about him. I need wisdom in order to know how to lead your people. I need wisdom in order to know how to, like, like function as a king. And God didn't withhold any of that. God gave him wisdom so much so that he wrote 3,000 Proverbs. And people would travel from all over the world just to hear him speak. Right? And we're going to look at some of those Proverbs today. So if you have your Bible, if you have your app, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 19. It'll be on the board too. So Proverbs 15, 19 says this. The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Now, let's take a minute and let's unpack some of these words that are inside this scripture. So the first word is hedges, right? Uh, let's look at a little picture of hedges. I kind of talked about it earlier. Now, we know this is not my house, okay? We've already talked about that, okay? But look, look at this, like, nice manicured hedge, Right? Now what hedges are, hedges serve as like a boundary or like a limit to something, right? So like put that back in context with the scripture. So when we talk about hedges, talking about like a boundary or a limit. The next word that's kind of important in that scripture is the word thorns. And now for some of us, you're like thorns, like we all know what thorns are, but some of us are visual learners. Okay, I'm a teacher and I understand that some of us need visuals. So let's take a look at what I'm talking about when I'm talking about thorns. Look at this guy. Nothing about that looks in, like great. Nothing about that looks like, oh, that is a beautiful thorn. No, you're like low-key scary, low-key painful, low-key don't want to touch that, right? And like I said earlier, I mean, I have a rose bush that hangs like three feet over my garage or over my trash cans. So when I like go get my trash cans on Tuesday night, I'm like dodging this thing. And sometimes it like lashes me and it doesn't feel good because thorns hurt right? So we're going to put that back in context with the scripture. Um, But this last word, this is not a word that we use every single day, but it's a word that we really need to unpack. Like, I I walk around campus when, when there is school, I never hear anybody use the word sluggard, okay? It's not a 2020 word unless we start bringing it back. Who wants to join me? Start using the word sluggard. But this word sluggard, let's unpack the meaning, The original meaning of this word has a couple of synonyms that we need to grab hold of. One of them is habitually lazy. So when you hear slugger, you hear habitually lazy. The other one is slothful. The other one is that S word that we tell kids not to use, stupid, right? That's a synonym for the slugger. Idle, procrastinator. Now we're like, oh, dang, sluggers seem like such a foreign word. Now we're like, oh, that's me. (laughs) That's me right and so let's show another picture real quick just to kind of get some illustration really down packed for us y'all see that let me read the scripture one more time okay it says that the way of the sluggard is a path of thorns right hedge of thorns now let's go back to that go back to that maleficent picture if you look at that nothing looked like i don't want to be there (laughs) just by imagery alone, I'm like, okay, where's that at? I'm at the farthest point on earth away from that, right? You got all these like crazy vines of thorns and you have Maleficent just sitting there like, who wants to come hang out? (laughs) It's my birthday. Who wants to come hang out? Like, no, that's not a place where you want to be. That's nowhere that looks exciting for us to be. And we know that um, in our life, those thorns, and, and the thorns in this picture and this whole entire dark scenery, it represents something for our life, right? That, that, that area right there, that hedge of thorns, what that represents are the disappointments in our life from missed opportunities, right? So we end up in that place and we get those disappointments from a missed opportunity on a job, a missed opportunity in school, a missed opportunity in a relationship, right? All because we didn't put forth the work that we needed to, to achieve the goal that we had, and we end up in these parts of our life where we're disappointed, right? Those thorns, they represent the depression that we go through because where we are now is not where we thought we would be, right? Like the image we have of, of where I am and where I thought I'd be, sometimes the disconnect, not all the time, but sometimes what it is is really that lack of work ethic and persistence to get to where I wanted to be. And then it causes those emotions and that little bit of depression, like, man, like, I'm not where I thought I would be. But flat out, I want you guys to grab hold of this quote. So write it down, take a picture, do what you got to do. Laziness leads to disappointment and discouragement, period. Laziness leads to disappointment and discouragement. Like I said, we can find all kinds of areas in our life where we've probably felt the weight of laziness and how it got the best of us. I know for me personally, I have two um, that still kind of like rock me to this day. One is the lack of work I put when I was in high school. Your boy is paying back student loans that are like out into the stratosphere, okay? It's just the situation that I'm in. But I look back and I also realized that in college, I got my first 4.0 and realized it didn't take that much work. And now I'm scratching my head like, oh my gosh, I could have had college paid for if I put like a half a step more energy into my work. But it is what it is. I can't go back now, but now I'm, I'm holding on to the weight of what I didn't do when I had the opportunity, right? And the second thing, this one's a little bit more funnier, but still like, I got fired from a job when I was like 10 years old, guys. Right, you're like, You what? what kind of job do you have at 10 years old? We had this dude on the block, and he would hire all the kids in the neighborhood just to give us some money to go buy some candy, go to the store and stuff like that. So on Saturday mornings, we'd go to his house, and he had, like, these little odd projects for us to do. Well, me being me, like I said, I didn't like yard work, and nine times out of ten, that's what he had us doing. So I would show up, like, 15 minutes late, like, all right, I'll get there when I get there. Well, one Saturday, I showed up, and he's like, oh, we don't need you anymore. Like, it's okay, you can go home. They're going to handle it. Like, hold up, hold up. I want that little $5 that you give us every Saturday. Like, nah, well, you're late every Saturday, Matt. Like, go home. Go back to sleep. And I'm like, whoa, like, that weight of getting fired was like, hey, whoa, I'm 10. You're not going to be nice to me. But really what it came down to was even at 10 years old, he was showing me, like, your laziness is going to get you to places like this every single time. And so I I had to, like, learn that the hard way. And if you ask anybody, nobody looks back on their life and says, oh, I wish I would have been lazier. I just, I just wish I would have been a tad bit more lazier. Nobody says that, right? It's, it's, not, it's nothing. We know that. And there's another quote I want you guys to, uh, um, to embrace and to hold on to. As I was, like, preparing, I was like, this, man, this, this is what I grabbed from this. Comfort over responsibility forfeits your dreams, if, if you allow, like, the pursuit of comfort to be more important than handling responsibility, you're going to forfeit anything that you think you're going to produce in the future. Just automate. just get rid of it. Like, if you don't have that work ethic, if, you don't, if you're pursuing comfort over handling responsibility, it's a wrap. Period. Um, and so I want to take a, a second... And Read another uh, another scripture because this will put it all together. Maybe just a little bit better We're gonna learn from the ants today guys. We got a lot to learn from them ants All right, so um, it's in the app again, but we're gonna read proverbs chapter 6 verse 6 And again, this is solomon with uh, with all the wisdom. He has sharing something with us. So solomon writes this Go to the ant. Oh sluggard. There's that word again consider her ways Be wise Without having any chief, any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Before we blame anybody or anything for where we are in life, I think it's important that we honestly compare our level of work ethic to our level of laziness, to have that honest moment. Now, you guys know that I coach, right? So I'm in the world of coaching, and this is not like a personal attack on anybody who thinks this, but I've been around so many athletes, and you guys have probably in your own family or when you were in school, so many athletes that have so much potential, so much. You're like, dude, that kid, you watch him growing up, and they're like nine years old playing basketball or football, and he's just like, uh, uh, uh like crossing people are like, he's amazing. Oh, my God. But then as they get older and time comes, right, that natural ability isn't matched with any work ethic. And so next thing you know, people start catching up to them, start surpassing them. And next thing you know, all those dreams and goals that they had to accomplish something to play high-level sports, they're not, they don't exist. And then they become that person in their 40s and 50s who's like, yeah, you know what I'm saying, I could have won pro, I could have won D1, but uh, uh," and then they fill in the blank with all kinds of other excuses, but at the end of the day, it's because like, they just didn't put the work in. (laughs) They didn't put the work in, right? And um, it's obvious for most of us whether we are like a longtime follower of Jesus, or whether you don't believe in God at all, right? We don't have to look far to understand what Solomon is saying. And that's what I love about Proverbs. It's so practical, right? But let's take a second and look at things in a more spiritual context. So if you're a follower of Jesus, let's dive in and lean in a little bit more on the spiritual side of what God has to say and what he's looking at in terms of laziness. If you've never read the book of Haggai, strongly encourage you this week, read the book of Haggai. Super short, literally two chapters. In some of your Bibles, it might be two pages. Really quick. But when I tell you that it's powerful, yo, there's some stuff that you can take from there that will last you for the rest of your life. Like, it's extremely powerful. Um, So we're going to read a couple of scriptures from Haggai. A little bit of back text on this, a back story. Haggai is a prophet, and God gives Haggai a, a word for the nation of Israel. Right? Their temple, right, which was symbolic for God's presence, which was a big deal, was destroyed. And the people were being lazy and not rebuilding the temple. That's what's going on. And Haggai, God gives him a word to rebuke the people. And so this is what's going on, and this is what Haggai says in chapter 1, verse 7 to 9. Thus says the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it. That I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. This is what I learned from this. God's house must be greater than my house. God's house is greater than my house. Bottom line, God has a task for each of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, God has given us the responsibility of the Great Commission, right? To go ye therefore, preach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all things, right? He's given us this mantle to take, right, to share our faith to build up his house, to build up his kingdom, right? And the task that he has for each of us looks different. Like your task in building God's kingdom might not not be standing up in front of people and sharing your faith like I am right now. Your, your, Your task might not be standing on stage singing. Your task, who knows? But here's the thing. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he's given each of us a spiritual gift not for us to be like, y'all, this is my gift right here, cuz, and serve ourselves. No, he's given each of us a gift specifically for the purpose of building up his kingdom. Right? So, whether you are like super administratively sound, you are needed. I could use you right now, <laughs> right? Or if you're really good at computers, that is not to be placed. But I'm telling you, there is a gift, there is a talent that God has given you that is not to be placed on the shelf. That is not to be used for selfish reasons. All right, here's what I've learned. Like, even when you look in that scripture, it says that they did so much, but they got so little in return. All right, there's been times in my life, and my wife can attest to this, where we put our calling on the shelf a little bit. Right? We, we, were, we were more concerned about, okay, we got to get this right in our house. we got to get this right in our family. And I'm not saying to ignore the important things of your house, but we got consumed with what we wanted to accomplish, how much money we wanted to make. And the things that we knew God called us to, we weren't giving them much attention. Like straight up, we just weren't. And we weren't doing anything bad. Like the people of Israel, they weren't doing anything bad. They just weren't handling the number one priority, which was rebuilding God's temple. And if God's house is more important than my house, then I know that my calling and what God has put me on this earth to do must be my number one priority. I must be concerned about that. Not at the negligence of my family, that's not what I'm saying, but if I'm trying to pursue Matt's name, if I'm trying to pursue wealth to last for a lifetime, and if I'm pursuing all of these things at the negligence of the call that God has put on my life, oh, priorities are out of whack. Right? And let's just take a second, real quick, and let's go back to that original scripture, that very first one that we read. It says this The way of a sluggard is a hedge of thorns. But let's look at that second half. But the path of the upright is a level highway. Right? That level highway is symbolic for peace and stress-free. Now, the work might be tedious, and the work might be a little challenging, and sometimes a little bit stressful, but the aftermath of handling responsibility is peace of mind and peace of heart, right? And you all know, you've been on I-5 before. Imagine that I-5 had no cars whatsoever, and you have five lanes to just chill, Psh, right? Peace. I'm just, right? I'm probably listening to Nas or something like that, but you know what I'm saying? I'm in the car, and I'm just, I'm just riding and I'm just enjoying it. I'm at peace. Well, that, that's what the scripture is saying. Like handling responsibility actually allows your mind to be at peace. It's to pray this prayer. You pray. What's a logical prayer for us, I think, today is to pray this prayer. You pray now. You can pray later. You pray when you get home. God, where am I lazy? And for some of us, we don't even need to pray. Some of us, God has been like, blasting it off in our mind and in our heart for weeks. Like, you need to step your game up right now, yesterday, today, step it up, right? But for some of us, you know, we might need to spend a minute and just analyze and just pray and ask God, like, hey, where am I lazy? And there's a couple of places where it might be. For some of us, it might be in that devotional time with God. It might be in that area of cultivating a intimacy in a relationship with him. You know, and we might have many excuses, but busyness is not an excuse to not spend time with God, right? It's, it's not a legitimate excuse. We're not going to go to heaven and say, oh God, I didn't have enough time to spend with you. He's going to be like, uh, well, let's just take a look at how you prioritize things, right? But for some of us, it might be that relationship with God that he's calling us to build. He's calling us to spend time with him. Let's take a look at Solomon. Of all the things he asked for, he asked for wisdom, right? Now, if he came to my house and asked me, my first thought is probably like, Lord, can you give me an obedient two-year-old? I need that right now. An obedient two-year-old would make my life awesome, right? But Solomon asked for wisdom, and now we have an opportunity to learn from so much of the wisdom that God gave him. And the scriptures are laced with so much wisdom, not just Proverbs, but all around. And so let's, let's think about this for a second. What if the answer to the depression and the anxiety that we go through is in the wisdom in the scriptures that we don't spend time reading? Like, what if, what if the answer to the insecurities in your heart, to the loneliness in your heart, what if the wisdom and the answer to those Difficult spots in your heart are actually found in the wisdom in the scriptures that we don't spend time reading What if the answer to the difficulties in our marriage In our parenting in our family What if the wisdom for those areas of our life are found in the scriptures That we don't spend time reading And you could fill in the blank with whatever it is Right but I'm almost 99.999% that the questions and the struggles and the things that you're looking for answers are found in the wisdom provided in these scriptures. But maybe you have that down. Maybe you're like, I spend, I spend consistent time with God. Like, you know, my devotion life, I'm cultivating that relationship with him. Uh, I'm spending quality time with him on the regular. But maybe, maybe like the people of Haggai, Maybe God is calling you to not be lazy in what he's called you to do. Maybe there's a call on your life and you sense it. I'm supposed to be working with teenagers. I'm supposed to be working with kids. I'm supposed to be serving here. And I'm not saying that you do know that, but I'm saying what if you do? You know, and and what if God is calling us to this place where he's saying, you know, I want you to spend a little bit more time serving here or doing this, using this gift that I've given you for my purposes and for my glory and for building my kingdom. And this last one, if I'm be honest, this is the area where I'm trying to get better at, okay? But what if some of us need to step our game up in this battle of laziness when it comes to our family and our marriage? It's quiet. <laughs> but I know for me, like, I, I spend a lot of time, my days are long, I'm serving people, I'm doing stuff, I'm coaching, I'm training, and the temptation for me is when I get home to take these shoes off hop in my pajamas and chill the rest of the night that's the temptation for me but i pull up to my house and i realize that when i walk into that door i have a wife and three kids who not want daddy's attention but they need daddy's attention the same energy i just gave to 500 teenagers at school and doing all kinds of training and coaching stuff the same energy i put into that god's saying they need that energy and more but that battle and that tension, it does exist. And for some of us, that might be where we are. Maybe God is saying, turn off the video game. Turn off, fill in the blank. Spend quality time with your family. Spend quality time with your kids. X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. And for, one, for just one week, church, I want to encourage us for this. For just one week, imagine if whatever that area is in our life, For just one week, imagine if we went full steam ahead, conquering every single battle we have of laziness in that area. Just just for one week, we said, you know what? I am battling some laziness in this area, but I'm going to go after it this week. I'm going to put some extra work into making sure that I'm intentional with conquering laziness in this area of my life. I want to say this one more time, and you can put it back on the board. Laziness leads to disappointment and discouragement every time laziness is going to lead us to disappointment and discouragement i i'm believing guys and low-key this might like seem crazy to some of you guys but i'm literally believing one day that city walk church is going to be doing so many amazing things in this city like I, I I see a time where we're, like, buying buildings, renovating them, and we're turning them into youth centers. We're turning them into buildings where people can come and get biblical counseling, and we can really serve this community in ways that have never, ever happened in Yuba City. I'm talking, like, uplifting the entire, like, uh, climate of the city. And I think that we have people in here that are real necessity are a real necessity and major puzzle pieces that God is calling us, not out, but calling us up. Calling us to a place where He's like, dude, there's something great. You don't go to City Walk just to receive. I have you at City Walk because I want you to be part of this master plan and this puzzle to really change this city from the inside out and do some amazing things. But until we conquer these battles with laziness, we're always going to be like, oh, we could have accomplished that as a church. We could have. But it's going to take each of us conquering those battles and saying, no, we're a part of this thing for a really big reason. And my job, my task might look different. But, man, God is calling me to accomplish something that's going to be huge. And I believe it so much. So let's think about this for a second. What if if we did this and it lasted longer for a week? What might your life look like? a year from now? What what might your life look like one year, two years, three years from now by pursuing the things that God put in your heart with diligence? What might your family look like? How might that change this church? How might that change your marriage? How might that change your parenting? And how might that change this whole entire community and this whole entire city? Just by... One by one, us being diligent with the things that God's put in our hearts. I'm believing in so many great things, guys, and I just really believe that we're in a time where it's easy to think about our house. It's easy to think about what we need. And it's even easier to be like, oh, somebody else will handle that. Somebody else will handle that. But I think that everybody has a calling and a purpose and something great that God wants to birth inside of all of us. Amen? Uh, Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for calling us from darkness into your marvelous light, God. As Ephesians said, God, we once were dead in our trespasses, but you have given us life, God. And Heavenly Father, we ask that in our relationship with you, God, That we wouldn't get mistaken that works are really what you need, God, but we work out of a response for what you have done on that cross. That it's not about working for righteousness, God, but because you've given us right standing, our response is to serve your kingdom that other people may come into relationship and be in right standing with you. So I pray, God, that our hearts would be encouraged and inspired and motivated to pursue the things that you've placed in our hearts. You are worthy to be praised, God, and we thank you so much. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.